Hello, and welcome back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to Season 4, Episode 11. Have you ever had an experience of meeting someone, and after you've met that person, you see the world in a very different way? Somehow, in some way, they impact you, or shed light onto something, or just leave a lasting impression on you? So much so that you are changed. Something inside you shifts. You never really see the world the same way again, or at least maybe a a single topic the same way again. Well, as surprising as it may sound, that is exactly the experience I had while interviewing today's guest. And no, this was not a guru who lived a life of a monk in a monastery who shares pearls of wisdom with everyone he meets. Although he does share wisdom, he's not a monk, he's not a self-help expert, he's not written thousands of books on how to live your best life. No, this gentleman that I will be interviewing in today's episode is an Italian business and tax expert. Now, before you say, come on, Nathan, it's not possible to have someone who is a tax expert have that big of an impact or a change in your life. Well, I'm going to let you decide for yourself. But personally, as someone who is actively working on Italian citizenship, buying property, doing business in Italy, all of the above, the things that I learned from Paolo Rigo from Studio Rigo in our interview today literally begin to cause my mind to shift and change and seek sort of unexpected solutions and options to things opened up, things that I thought I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, I I began to question. And by the way, I mean that in the very best way. I'm not questioning things and feeling confused. I Now that I am equipped with the right knowledge, with knowledge that I didn't even know I needed to have, now that I have knowledge on some of these topics, the decisions I make moving forward are going to be more well-informed. They are going to be decisions that are, that are based on facts and knowledge rather than on instinct and emotion. I don't, I'm not discounting emotions and instinct. However, when it comes to taxes and business and making very strategic plans moving forward, one wrong step, one uneducated step, I should say, could lead you into years of sort of entanglement and, and regretting maybe the way you did something. And so anyway, without giving too much else away and without telling you much more than what I've already told you, I want to share this interview today. Now, depending on how long the interview goes, we may have to split this episode into two segments. We'll see how it goes. All right. Well, I'm very, very excited for you to hear today's interview with Paolo Rigo from Studio Rigo. Enjoy. Hello, Paolo. I'm so excited to have you here. This has been a long time coming. Likewise, my pleasure being here. Paolo, you are going to bring a certain level of knowledge and expertise that is not necessarily something people always want to think about, but something they absolutely must 
consider if they're going to have a well-rounded, successful experience moving to or retiring to Italy or even spending part-time in Italy. One of the things that I'm most excited about is sort of breaking down some misconceptions about taxes, breaking down some common fears that people have about taxes and numbers and a system that they just don't understand. We have a hard time, most of us, understanding our own system where we come from. When you think about trying to move to a new country with a whole new language and a new system that's extra, extra complicated, at least that's what we all think, that's what makes us really, really in need of your services. So anyway, I've been following you for a very long time on Instagram, YouTube, You are, in my opinion, the very best that there is, and you are an extreme professional. So welcome, and we're just so excited to have you here today. Well, I was not prepared for such an introduction. You're putting a lot of pressure on my shoulders right now. I will try my best not to disappoint your expectations, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's possible, Paolo, but can you start off by letting us know where you are located and a little bit about you and how you got into the business that you're in and Studio Rigo and and just kind of your personal story and your a little bit about your business. Okay. Well, just a quick introduction. My full name is Paolo Rigo. I'm CEO and founder of Studio Rigo that clearly goes under my name. I'm an international tax expert. I'm a teacher. I'm an educator. I'm author and, you know, leading an international tax firm since 2007. And we work with clients from all over the world. We work with consulates, embassies, and the local court. I remember when I started in 2007, and I'm 39, by the way. I don't know if it matters. And I was just dealing with Italian clients because, you know, the obvious reason is Italian, it's very easier to deal with. And the very first client that I got in touch with, with an international problem, was a pilot for America Airlines. He just moved to Verona. And he had to declare his U.S. source of income. And I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but personally, I love challenges. And when I heard from him, well, I don't know who you look for because you're the first one welcoming you. You're the first one speaking barely a little bit of English. I thought, well, maybe there's a chance for me that I try something new. I get out of the comfort zone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... I had to work on this tax matter. I remember I charged in something like 100 or 150 for a two weeks work. It was not a good deal for me, but never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent experience, right? (laughs) Yeah, I had to get better at negotiation, but never mind. Uh, I started working on this project. I found it very interesting. I developed some new skills and here we go. 2022, I'm very proud of my team, 25 people and... A YouTube channel. What else can I can ask for? It seems like you've got the world by the tail, my friend. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. So, so you're in Verona. So you're kind of like a neighbor because we're both in Veneto. So you're, you, like you said a minute ago, uh, we're about an hour away. So I still, I hate to say this, but I still have not visited Verona yet. So when I do... You and I will definitely have to get together and you'll have to show me show me a little bit about your city, not turn you into a tour guide, but some of the best places at least to have a bite to eat or a drink. You'll be my guest whenever you want. Just give me a ring. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Paolo, 
One of the things that I love that you have as your personal mission statement is the following. You refer to yourself in this way. You are a creative numbers man with a big mission to teach people how to live their dream while balancing numbers and happiness. How profound. I know. I and know. how how deceptively simple. Because <laughs> that sounds so simple and it's so beautifully put. And it's so important to balance numbers with happiness. And you really can't be happy unless the numbers in your life are balanced, can you? Well, I have to thank my wife and you know my daughter because I realized that success, it's really a, a personal choice. It could be selling more. It could be learning you know, a new language. It could be moving to another country. It could be getting richer. It could be you know, getting rid of an, an employer that is, I don't know if I can say it, but is a pain in the ass. It's very personal and you have to find your inner balance. So the problem is that very often when you have to, to do the math with your life, there is something that is missing and is taxes, is personal income, is how much is left on the table when, when I leave my office. Because that's where everything stands for. If you don't have the money for living, if you don't have the money you know, to, to achieve your goal, how can you move forward? I love to think that um, as a numbers man, yes, of course, I can do the math. I can show you the best spreadsheet ever. But also, I love to think that I'm able to think in a different way to search for the best solution for your case, helping you, not just telling you you have to do this, like you know, an advice monster crashing your door, but telling you what the options are and leave you the choice with the freedom. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And that's where the creative numbers man title comes in, isn't it? Here in Italy, we have the, probably the, the hardest way to find information. It's plenty of laws, regulations, updates. We are very famous for that. So how can someone get some clarity out of that? It's almost impossible. I try myself with my team, of course, because I would be nothing without them. I try myself the best to, to show people that ways are clean. It's the way information are delivered that is messy. But I don't know if you're aware of that. Well, for sure, you're native. They say, don't hate the player, hate the game. They made a mess. I can make the difference. I can try to explain how things work. And it's up to you to make the, the next move. Fantastic. Well, a lot of people don't have a clue what the first move is, let alone what the next move is. And so that's why I feel like when I found you and started watching your YouTube videos, which are incredibly informative, started watching your Instagram videos and just getting to know sort of your different approach, which I really, really it resonated with me. I'm a creative person. And so I tend to look at numbers as like a necessary evil. I don't get a lot of joy out of them. <laughs> I understand. I love it when you know, you're seeing money coming in, but then, yeah, you've got a great income coming in, but what are you going to do with that? Or you've got a lot of money in the bank, or you've got a good retirement and you know that's all wonderful. But if you don't manage that correctly, then you can end up with a lot of anxiety and a lot of problems down the road if things aren't managed correctly. And so anyway, that's that's why you're here to help us with, with our fears and 
our unknowns and our misconceptions today. And I know that you have a fantastic team and you have experience of, what is that now? 2007 to 2022. You're the numbers guy. Is that about 15 years or so? Don't make me feel like I'm getting old, please. But yes. <laughs> 15 years of, of doing this work. That's pretty, that's pretty great. Now, who are your primary customers, especially foreign, foreign clients? I would love to, to split between client, customer, and the prospect. Okay. Um, believe me or not, we're not into the, you know, getting as much clients as possible business. We'd rather turn it into an educational firm. So mm-hmm. we'd love to teach anyone looking for information, trustworthy information. That's the goal. The, the process of becoming a customer or becoming a client is definitely something that we're not in control of because it deals with, you know, finding someone local, for example, finding someone that is a good fit for your budget, someone that is referred to someone else. So we don't care about that part. We want to educate people moving to Italy or, for example, trying to understand what could happen in the future in five to 15 years if I move to Italy. The biggest question is, what if? Mm-hmm. We are there to tell you what if, yes. Wow, Okay. I can sell you a few numbers and then make you laugh at the end okay. of that short explanation. I can tell you that the main market is from the US, but just because you know, it's the majority of people looking for these kind of opportunities. Then we have clients from South America, from Asia in general, not from Russia in this very moment. I'm still wondering the reason why. This is not a joke. <laughs> uh, from Japan, Australia, um, Africa, Europe too, not Europe. And the majority of our clients, the very first time that they get in touch with us, have no idea about the timeline. They have no idea about their personal timeline? Yeah. They say, well, we're wondering what happens if I move to Italy, but tell me, what's going to happen in 2023? What's going to happen in 2024? Mm-hmm. It seems like they're holding the decision and they're waiting for some good news to come from my side. <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense. Yes. And the majority of our clients, just females, just women. I don't know. Interesting. Sixty-five percent. Yeah, (laughs) that doesn't surprise me. Actually, that does not surprise me at all. Um, Women are very, very level-headed, and they are very, very interested in safety, and and usually, and and so that makes sense that they're wanting to be cautious and make a really educated move. And so I could understand that. And we have we have a, a little a few extra women listening to the show than men. We have about a 45 to 55 split as far as men to women listeners. So that, that, that sort of sounds familiar. I've got four potential clients I want to break down with you here, Paolo, and, and we're going to talk just in general. But would you, before we get into examples of, of four potential clients that hopefully everybody listening will be able to identify with at least one of these clients, what would you say are some of the some of the the laws or the changes that have happened recently in Italy that most affect foreigners, whether it's Americans or people from coming to Italy from anywhere? What are some of the biggest changes, whether positive or negative changes that have happened to like the Italian tax code? I was very exciting 
hearing from you. Well, I want to know what the updates are. And then you said the pros and the cons of the low. So I said, okay, I have to talk about the bad side of that. <laughs> I can tell you that starting from 2015 onwards, there is the so-called regime impatriati or rientro dei cervelli. I apologize if I'm using Italian words, but that's the name of the low. Now, could you repeat those really, really slow for my for my ear? I'm sure everybody else heard okay, you. Okay, no problem. Two words, regime impatriati. Okay. And the second is rientro dei cervelli. Mm-hmm. The official name is the first one. The second is the oldest one. Basically, uh, I don't want to spoil anything. That's the truth. Uh, our government is desperate for money. It's pretty clear. You can find it everywhere. So they're trying their best to, you know, to attract people from other countries in terms of setting up a business, working remotely, or at least staying here for a few years. And of course, there must be a balance, as I keep on saying, between what you get and what you pay for. Mm-hmm. So our government decided to give a discount, let's say, on taxes for the first five to 10 years. At the same time, they understood that, of course, there is a the market, there's a target for this, but also there's plenty of people retiring from work that are looking for some opportunities in the South. So they say, okay, you're welcome here. Let's forget about our impressive tax brackets. I'm going to give you a flat rate, 7%. Let's move to Italy. Let's meet, stay there 10 years and see how it goes. This is something very important that everyone listening to you must you know, remember. All the benefits are time limited mm-hmm. so the biggest question is what's going to happen next right okay well that's that's a, that's a very important thing to keep in mind so you're saying italy which is looking for a little extra money to to handle their growing expenses and the, the pandemic didn't help anything did it they're looking for ways creative ways to bring in a little bit more money into their system and they're encouraging foreigners so they're saying, let's give you a flat rate of 7%, you said, for 10 years. Let's play with some numbers. I hope you don't mind. It's a language no. that I'm more comfortable with. Let's do it. <laughs> let's start with, with the first one, the, you know, the, the regime impatriati. Okay. They say, let's say you make 100,000 gross. Hmm? Here in Italy, you're not required to pay taxes on the 100,000. You will pay taxes just on the 30% of that. So 30,000. If you move in southern regions, we're going to exaggerate. We're going to give you 90% off. So you will pay taxes just on the 10%. And if you buy a property or you get a kid, you get the extension up to 10 years Hmm. of this benefit. This is just for the personal income. The other one is the 7% for pensioners in the South. It's pretty funny because if you Google it or if you go on Facebook, it's you know, it's almost popping up groups of I'm gonna help you with the seven percent. This is the official group of the seven percent. Basically, if you move in the south, if you if you retire for work, you're gonna pay just the seven percent on the foreign source of income, seven percent on your pension, on the gross, no well tax for 10 years. Okay. How can now you beat that? Well, I don't I don't think you can. The question, the next question is, what's the South? Well, you know that devil like to hide in details, right? <laughs> yes. I'm trying my best to play the, the salesman. Like, oh, this is the offer. It's something that you cannot skip. Well, you have to sign now. 
I'm going to reveal all the untold story about all the benefits and everything running on internet. Okay. First of all, the 7%, yes, is a nice deal, but is on the gross. Mm-hmm. So on top of all the personal income taxes paid or held in your home country, you have to add the 7%. Because a lot of people think clearly 7%, wow, it's less than 23. It's less than 43. It's the way to go. Hold on, pull the brake on. What happens if, for example, your tax liability in Italy is 23 okay, percent, and you actually paid 21 in your home country? I think that comes out to like 44%. You can. I'm going to deep dive in about this later. Here in Italy, you can almost offset all the taxes already paid in your home country because otherwise you would pay twice as much. It would be fair to you. Mm-hmm. So you would pay just the difference of the 2% in this case. Mm, okay. How does the 2% versus the 7% stand like? Even better. See? Yeah. It's not about number itself. It's about the basis that you apply the numbers on. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And when you said the South, well, it's not just the South in general. It's not Brindisi. It's not Foggia. It's not Bari. You know, all the fancy cities you can find on Instagram. It's just remote places with a population less than 20,000 inhabitants. Only in the south, only in Puglia, Sicily, Calabria, southern regions. So not, not Campania? Not at all. Okay. That's good to know. So that does not include Sardinia? It does. It does include Sardinia. It does include Sardinia. Okay. So to be clear, the two main islands, Sardinia and Sicily... Basilicata, Molise, all the southern regions. Okay, all the southern regions. So everything south of Campania, basically. Yeah, and almost, Puglia. almost. Okay, okay. Um, okay, so, and, and then it's not just the southern regions, but it's the small towns in those southern regions. So if you're living in Palermo, or if you're living in Bari, you don't get this benefits. Not at all. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right. So you got to be outside in a smaller village. Makes sense. I would like to, to articulate a little bit. You have to be here in Italy and don't hate me for this, but you know, this is our bureaucracy. There is a huge difference between the legal domicile and the fiscal domicile. You can be considered fiscally resident in place A and getting the domicile in place B. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think so. Let's use just within the Italian territory. Okay. You could be fiscally resident in Verona and then spending them 183 days plus in Sicily. Okay. Or I'm not saying that you have to, okay? But I bet that your audience is smart enough to read between the lines right now. Or you can set up your tax residency in a small village with less than 20,000 inhabitants, but still setting up your domicile somewhere else. Okay, so you're talking about within Italy, your yep. domicile and your, what was the term you used? Taxable? The tax residency. Tax residency. Okay, so for example, I'm currently looking for properties outside of Veneto, but that's where I'm currently living. So I probably wouldn't want to have my tax residency be there. I'd want to have it be somewhere in the South, right? Let's say that, let's consider this Mr. Jones, okay? Mr. Jones is retired from work. He's mm-hmm. looking for some place in order to get the election for the 7%. Mm-hmm. 
maybe he could establish his tax residency in the small village in the south and then rent some good place in Florence and spend in there the majority of the year. How does it sound like? It sounds great. Can you do that legally? I don't know. We are recording right now. <laughs> you're the creative numbers guy. So that's what you're supposed to be telling us. <laughs> legally, I'm going to hide behind, you know, like a good lawyer. I like to hide behind laws. Legally, it's possible. Okay. And you're the one with the knowledge to be able to help people. So that's amazing that you brought that up because that really, really lets us know, everyone listening to this know that just because there are complex laws and just because there are a lot of unknowns from a, for a foreigner moving to Italy, the good thing is with someone like you on their side, helping them and guiding them, you're taking all of the mystery out of the process and you're going to hopefully guide and direct us to to the right make the right choices because it really if you make the if you make kind of establish yourself and start start wrong you could be paying for that mistake for a long time sadly i have to confirm that mm -hmm. so that's why so that's why i think that anyone moving to Italy as part of their starter kit, they need to call Studio Rigo and talk to Paolo and his team because really a consultation with you first, when someone is saying, okay, we don't know where we're going to be. We don't know. We don't know what we, we hear our favorite areas. We're not sure if we want to own an apartment or own a farm or own a villa. What would be the tax ramifications for any one of these decisions? And if we want to have a beach house and then maybe a place in the north, like that's when you, your expertise would help them to formulate their plan rather than falling in love with a piece of property they maybe see online and then they buy it. And then next thing they know, they've just found themselves in a situation where they don't have as many options as they would if they had talked to you first. I like to think that the game, let's say not against, but with the Italian Arabia Agency must be fair. Mm -hmm. They for sure know the rules because they make it. Mm -hmm. What about you? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you, they know the rules, but if you don't know the rules, then you could really find yourself in a messy situation. I'm going to give you something that potentially everyone listening to you can find extremely valuable in the long term, in the long run. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you're aware about what a tax treaty is. Tax treaty, contract between two countries in terms of avoiding dual taxation. Mm. Why that? Because a lot of people change and move destinations, tax residency during the years. There is an article, this article number 4.2, if you want to deep dive, let's say a this article between Italy and the United States. By the way, it's signed in the 70s or late 80s, I don't remember. It's possible for someone, anyone, okay, individual, to be tax resident in two places at the same time. How come? Well, Italy thinks if you spend more than 103 days, you're fiscally resident here according to our regulation. But at the same time, and tell me if I'm wrong, in the US, as long as you have the US citizenship, you have to pay taxes there. Correct. Yep. Also, for example, in New Zealand, if you have the, the property there as main domicile, you're considered tax resident there. So what happens if you're a tax resident in two places at the same time? Don't ask me. 
They say, and this is not something that you can read around. They say, you have to choose. You have to make the election. You have to decide. Despite what you know, the, the Italian regulation is, if the center of your life, if the center of your interest is in place A, it doesn't matter how many days you spend in place B. Oh, really? Now, how is that defined, the center of your life? What does that mean? Many of our clients came to us because they saw uh, our video about uh, Shakira, the pop singer receiving something like 15 millions tax audit notice for, you know, for being tax resident abroad. So it happens very often for someone with very huge income to become a tax resident in some, let's say, tax heaven. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about this. You don't have to be, you know, Elon Musk in order to benefit from that. Mm -hmm. If you can simply can prove the Italian revenue and say that, for example, your main property is in New York City, your family is in New York City, your bank account is in New York City, your, I would say, your everything investments employer is in New York City. What happens if you spend the majority of the time here in Italy? It's just a matter of time, not a matter of your life. So it's possible, and not just between United States and Italy, it's possible between any countries all around the world to spend more time in one place and still being a fiscal resident in that place, the country of origin. This is an amazing opportunity that no one speaks about. No, I mean, I've, you're the first person I've ever heard talk about it. So you just referenced Shakira, who was having that. She's the pop singer who, I guess she's from Colombia, yep. but she was having this problem with Spain, Correct. Spain, yeah, because she said, of course, I'm, I'm not her lawyer. She said that she had to pay taxes in Bahamas or you know some tax haven in the previous fiscal years, and then at the same time, Spain is saying, "Yes, you're right, but we see that your kids are getting school in Spain. Your your spouse, Pique, the football player of Barcelona, is in Barcelona. So how can you prove that the sense of your life is elsewhere?" And clearly. She was not able to because it's impossible. But if you behave correctly from the very beginning, if you keep behaving like, you know, getting everything ready to prove the entire way to see where the center of your life is, mm -hmm. it's not a dream. It's a strategy. There's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. so, so it really, again, it goes back to figure out where you, where, where you think you might want to go and then make sure you have someone on your side that can guide you as you begin to launch towards that dream. Make sure that you're starting the journey correctly. Otherwise, you could end up with some problems. You don't want to get up five years down the road, get a tax bill that's more than you could possibly imagine paying back. You know, or you know, you're gonna drain your your resources in a way that you didn't anticipate. Regardless, your you know your dream with Italy or your plan with Italy, you have three choices. One is to move as fiscally resident. It means that you'll be required to pay taxes on the worldwide income. The second option is moving as non-tax resident. So you're gonna spend less than 103 days. You can go back and forth. Three, spending 365 days as no tax resident because the center of your life is in your home country. Mm. There's a lot of choices. And still, getting back to the first option, 
Let's say that you're moving everything, okay? You're starting from scratch in Italy. Still, there are some incentives for you. Mm -hmm. So before thinking, how much do I have to pay? Just start asking yourself, do I have to pay? Hmm. Okay. Well, fortunately for us, you have the answer to that question. <laughs> okay, Paolo, let's say client number one here, Lucy. Lucy is... 65 and a half years old, and she's retired in the United States. Okay. She is moving with her husband and their dog to Sicily. They okay. found a beautiful piece of property in Sicily, and they are moving. They both had really excellent careers. They have pensions and they've saved personally and invested. So they, they have personal wealth. They're thinking that they want to sell their primary residence in the United States and, and not have to worry about maintaining that because they really do want to live in Italy most of the year, but they want to be able to go back to the United States to visit family and so on and so forth. What would you say if that If Lucy and her husband came to you, how would you start? What would be some of the questions that you would ask them or maybe some of the things you'd want them to consider? What would be the way you would guide someone in that situation? I do love what you just said. You're asking me what are the first questions that I would ask them. That's how it works. So I'm going to give you a virtual high five from here. Okay. <laughs> for the approach. Okay. The very first question would be what kind of you know, jobs we're talking about. If they're retired for work, they have been working under the private sector or under the public one? Uh, they would be working in, in the private sector, yeah. Okay. What about their citizenship? Do they have the dual, they're getting to get the dual, or they just have the U.S. one? Let's say in this situation that Lucy's family was Italian and she was able to get her citizenship with just for herself. And then I'm assuming since she became citizen, a citizen, then her husband would also have the right to become a citizen as well. Okay. I would love to work with, uh, with the worst scenario possible. Okay. Worst scenario. Well, yes, simply because we're talking about someone that is, let's say, healthy. Probably we're talking about someone that has a nice taxable income. So let's see what happens if they move in the, in the South in this case. Okay. By the way, I asked you something about the pension, the source of the pension itself, the private or a public one, because based on article 18 and 19 of the same tax treaty that I was talking about, remember? Mm -hmm. It's provided that if someone is retired for work and he worked for any government division or the government itself, and is receiving a public pension, that pension more likely will be considered tax-free here in Italy. Really? Yes, really. Article 18 and Article 19 of the tax treaty. Okay, Article 18 and 19 of the tax treaty between the US and Italy. That's right. Okay, so just to be clear, because there are listeners who are nurses, doctors, police officers, teachers, uh, or maybe someone who worked 
in the government to some other capacity. You're saying those would all probably fall under that same category? 100%. Yes. Very interesting. There is just one F. Oh. Remember, we are in Italy. (laughs) (laughs) If you get a dual citizenship, let's forget about the benefit. Everything is taxable. Oh, interesting. So if you're a resident, but not a citizen, then the next question is, how easy is it to get residency versus citizenship? I guess residency is easier to get than citizenship as far as I know. So, okay, that's for another topic for another day. But okay, that's good. That's a good thing to know about. Man, I've never heard of that before, but there's going to be some people listening. They're going to hear that and be very happy. Just of records for a few seconds, I had a call with a client this very morning, and it was just about to sign this piece of paper for, for citizenship. And when he heard about this, he said, you know, the FK word in a very loud way. Say, are you kidding me? No one told me about this. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's interesting because that's where that's the situation I'm in right now, Paolo. Oh, okay. Not to make this all about me, <laughs> but I've been so happy and so excited to I'm a resident, I'm officially a resident, and you know, I think I probably can be a resident for the rest of my life without any problems because I'm married to a native Italian. But you're, what you're telling me is it's potentially, it could be not, not in every situation, but it could potentially be an issue if, you, if you're not aware of some of the potential tax incentives or breaks you get for non citizens but residents i like to say something like this be aware that citizenship could be very expensive tax wise interesting this is why we're talking to you today <laughs> just if you type for work for all the other cases let's forget about it it doesn't change a thing so worst scenario you're a dual citizen so it doesn't matter if you're receiving a private pension or a foreign pension and give me some number 100,000 gross, how much we're talking about? You're talking about how much every year they're going to have to live on? Yeah. Money, money that they're going to... Okay, let's say between the two of them, it's... Uh, let's say between the two of them, it's 100... Let's just say 200,000. Okay. Well, it's a nice deal. There is just one number that I'm missing, the tax liability in the United States. So in the percentage, how much they have to pay in the United States... Let's just say that their tax bracket is 20%, just to have a round number. Okay. Remember, this is not a job interview, okay? We're just floating numbers. Right, right, <laughs> right. Stuff. But you know, you know how numbers can make everybody nervous. They're <laughs> making me nervous. Just, ta- just, just talking about this legendary couple. <laughs> Let's forget about yourself. Let's focus on Lucy's situation, okay? <laughs> Let's get back to Lucy. Okay. 200,000 combined. Yeah. And the liability in the United States is 20%. Mm-hmm. So if you apply the 20% on top of the 200,000, we are talking about 40,000 going in taxes. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. What happens if they move to Italy? Well, let's stick with the worst scenario. So all the taxable income is on the table, 200,000. If they choose any place in Italy, okay, any place, it could be Venice, it could be Rome, it could be... Firenze, it could be Verona. No one picks Verona. I'm still wondering the reason why, but never mind. <laughs> the tax liability, still, I'm using round numbers, okay? This is not the precise tax rate. It would be, let's say, 38%. Mm-hmm. 
So if you apply the 38% on 200,000, it looks like the tax liability is 76,000. Mm -hmm. Added to their 20%. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Who's the tax guy here? <laughs> Clearly not me. <laughs> Let's move slowly. And if there is something that I move too fast about, please stop me, okay? Mm -hmm. I want to be very clear. Slow is good. Slow is good. So 200,000 gross. Here in Italy, you pay taxes on the gross. Mm -hmm. Remember that. Yeah. Tax liability, 38%. Total tax to pay, 76,000. Okay. Thanks to the same tax treaty, I know is a very good friend of mine, you can offset almost every personal income tax paid or held, for example, in your home country. You never, almost never pay twice as much. So if you already paid 20%, the total bill would be reduced to 18%. So if you make it the difference, the liability would be something like 36,000. Just a difference. Incredible. Okay. So you're not doing double taxation. That's that's what that's the avoidance of double taxation. And that's something that oftentimes people especially in places like California, New York, where you have really high property taxes, you can write those off. It's kind of the same idea where you can write off any taxes you've paid, you can write, you know, sort of write them off against other taxes that, that need to be paid. Okay, so you, you've got that they can live anywhere they want, Lucy and her husband, and they're because they're paying 20% in the United States, they only have to pay 18%, which brings us down to around 36,000 a year. 36,000, yes. Okay, now we're not done though, are we? Not at all. We're talking just about the personal income because here in Italy, you also have to deal with the wealth tax, but let's skip it for, for another, you just another said, call or another question. You just said wealth tax. Okay. Yes. Gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note to ask you <laughs> about wealth tax. Let's take with the personal income tax, 36,000. Okay. With 36,000 go goes the freedom to choose any place of your choice. You can move whenever you want. Or if you like the 7% deal, you can move in the south. You must choose a municipality with less than 20,000 inhabitants. And in this case, you will pay just a 7% flat on the 200,000, so 14,000. Once again, I'm going to say it loud and clear, you will pay the 7% on your gross. As an alternative tax, this way you cannot offset all the personal income taxes paid in your home country. It's an alternative tax. Okay, so you're not offsetting like we talked about before. This is something different. This, exactly. is, just, this is just a flat 7% tax. On the gross. Which may be good, maybe is good for some people, may not be good for other people, depending on their situation, huh? 100% agree with you. Mm -hmm. And this is why a lot of people that you know, share a lot of information on YouTube or you know, Facebook say, well, the 7% is the way to go. The question is, how can you be so sure? It's everyone's unique individual situation, isn't it? Let's stick with the same example. Let's say that for some other reasons, your tax liability in Italy is 24%. Making a difference, you just have to pay the 4% here in Italy. It would be 8,000. So moving to any other place would cost you 8,000. 
moving in the 7% flat zone would cost you 14,000. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, and this could be, if we changed, let's say we changed Lucy's situation a little bit, her and her husband didn't work for someone else. They worked for themselves and they, they put all their investments into what's, what we call in the United States a Roth IRA. I'm sure you're very familiar with those. They've already paid taxes on the money when it went in. So all the money coming out is tax-free. So they're not paying any, practically no taxes in the United States whatsoever. In that situation, then the 7% in the South is a better situation for them, probably, right? You're better than me at doing the math. Yes. <laughs> I don't think so, but okay. That's just something I, I, that popped into my head. That could be another potential situation, right? Okay. So again, it's just keeps, we just keep going back to the same thing. Don't we planning you plan it. You don't just find yourself in it and then try to make the best of it. You you're strategic about the way you plan this. You have the the chance before moving to Italy to play with scenarios. Mm -hmm. So let's play with those. Be creative. I'm going to say it again, be creative about your future. You yeah. have to play with a lot of things that maybe you're not in control of. So ask yourself, what happens if I start receiving withdrawing money or I start you know, my own business in Italy? Or what's going to happen if I start working and I get some dividends? Work mm -hmm. on scenarios and see what's going to happen before making the choice. Okay. All right. Let's go, to, let's go to situation number two, Paolo. Let's talk about the second, second scenario, second imaginary client. His name is Steven. Okay. Steven is single. He is a remote worker. Okay. He works for a company that is somewhere else in the world. I don't know where we're going to say he's from. Maybe you can give him a country where he can be from. We could say the United States just to keep it simple. Okay. Uh, since that's where the majority of your clients are coming from. And that's where a lot of our listeners are from. But anyway, let's just say he's a remote worker. He makes his money in another country, but he's living in Italy. Let's talk about him. You know what I'm about to ask you, right? Give me some numbers. Okay. Let's, <laughs> say, let's say he's making 150000 a year. Okay. I would like to say, Stephen, that is very lucky, <laughs> is in the right place at the right time. Mm. Um, you know that rules here keep on changing. And very often, they add some lease in order to update some conditions and rules about an old version of the rules. So in this case, they confirm, I'm talking about the Italian review agency, okay? I'm not talking about some guy telling I think so. They confirm that you can benefit for the 70 or the 90% off, even if you're working remotely for a foreign company. You said 70 to 90% off yes. for a remote Seven worker. I confirm I'm going to split numbers seven zero and nine zero off. Wow. Okay. So he's being taxed in his home country because that's where he's making his money and that's where he's still a tax resident, but he's living in Italy. Now, this is a new law, isn't it? Or a new whatever exemption or whatever you call it. Well, it's like, you know, bidding some, for some offer in 2016. They found out it was not that appealing. So I had to adjust it a little bit to attract more people. Uh -huh. So is this what everyone is referring to as the digital nomad? You've heard that term? Mm, yeah, I heard it a lot of times. 
but it's, it's, it sounds you know, kind of funny because it's not just for digital nomads, it's for any kind of you know, personal income that you make from Italy. So okay. it could be an employee, a self-employed, a business owner, whatever. Okay. So you're, you're saying let's not get so hung up on these, these catchphrasey terms that, that swirl around on social media and so forth and news organizations pick, up, pick them up. Let's just look at each situation and, and just see what it is, what your individual situation is, like Stephen, for example. Using a metaphor, let's say that you're outside of this nice disco cup, okay? And there's the dressing code. There are three rules. One is being a tax resident abroad in the last couple of years. Second, committed to stay here in Italy for at least a couple of years. And third, having an Italian source of income, or let me rephrase it correctly, making money from Italy. Making money, just to be clear, making money from Italy or making money while in Italy? From Italy. So it could be a remote worker. It could be a self-employed in Italy. It could be hired by an Italian company. Who cares? Okay. So that's, that's another situation that you could find yourself in. Okay. Okay. So let's get back to Stephen. Stephen is, uh, he is a remote worker, but he's making all of his money from, let's say the United States. Okay. You're saying that, and is it going to make a difference where he lives? A lot. Okay. Let's talk about that. Once again, we have to split between the northern part and the southern regions of Italy. If you move from, let's say, Naples upwards, you get the 70% off. From Naples downwards, 90% off. Mm -hmm. So sticking with a 150 grand per year, your taxable income of moving to Italy would be at least 45,000. The best, 15,000. With the same benefit, the tax treaty provides that you can offset all the income taxes paid there, all the taxes paid or held by your employer. And I have a good feeling that if we take a look about your 1099, you actually paid a way lot more on the 150 than the taxes you have to pay on the 50 grand mm -hmm. or 45. What do you think? I would say you're probably right. <laughs> so in this case, numbers-wise, moving to Italy would be neutral to you. Okay. So you're getting the lifestyle you want, but you're not, your taxes are not being affected negatively in any way. You're basically experiencing the same exact tax situation you would be if you were still in the United States. Exactly. Okay. Let's play with the country of origin for a little bit, just to make it more delicious. Okay, here all we the go. People listen to. Let's say that you're lucky. You're not living in a country where you get taxed on the citizenship, but you get taxed on the residency. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. A lot of people plan something like this. They say, okay, dear, let's say, dear company, you're paying 150 crores. What if? We change it. And instead of considering me an employee, I will invoice you from Italy as a freelancer, as a contractor. So you will not have to you know, deal with the payroll. You can save some money. Let's make things more easy for you. And at the same time, what's going to happen? You will not have to apply any withholding tax. You will not have to apply any you know, pension contributions or social security in the country of origin. And you will pay 
clearly taxes and pension contributions just under 30 or 10%. Multiply this saving for 10 years, that's the math, what's the result? A lot. <laughs> Could be like a million dollars. Easily, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's really interesting. So become an independent contractor for the company you're working for, save them money, save yourself money, everybody's happier. It's a win-win. Yeah, it is a win-win. Now, let's say Stephen, who figured out that he gets to be invoicing his company rather than being an employee because he's a, a resident of Italy, so he gets the benefit of Italy's healthcare system. So he doesn't have to worry about healthcare. He's got his healthcare covered, so he doesn't need that from his company anymore as a benefit. So maybe his maybe the company says, okay, well, if you're going to save us all this money, then we can pay you a little bit more even. Uh, you know, you're, you you know, you could maybe make a little bit more money, but so Stephen is is in Italy and he loves it so much. He stays for not just the two years that he, but let's say he stays for ten years. Okay. Now you he's the- now he's at the ten year mark. Now what's going on? Are you sure you want to know? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'd, like know, I'd like to know when the party is over. <laughs> I don't want you to cut the call. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Okay, I will. I will make you jump of your seat. Without the fifty grand, we have to talk with the Italian rates. Italian rates, just on the average, are on the progressive rates. So the more you make, the more you pay. We are talking about twenty-three to forty-three percent. Okay. On the one hundred percent that you're making. On one hundred percent, so you're taxed on one hundred percent of your income between 23 and 43%. On the progressive basis. So if you're making more than, let's say, 65,000, the remaining part is under the 43%. Let's apply an average 40%. The tax liability will be between 60 to 70,000. How does it look like now? It doesn't look so great. So what I guess the question would be, what could someone in Steven's situation do? Is there anything or is there just a hard wall that you're going to slam into on your 10th year? Like, is there just no way around it? That's going to happen. That's when your benefits have run out and Italy's like, it's time to start paying. Well, I hope that I will not offend any ladies, girls listening to you right now. But let's say that Italy is a nice girl, not just for long-term commitment. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. I understand. (laughs) So she's in it for a good time. Italy's in it for a good time, but not for the long run. I don't see any way to ring on the the go. Okay. But I have an idea. Okay. Let's say that, you know, in this case, Stephen is a wise guy. He did his due diligence and he knows what a tax really stands for. He knows that he can spend even 365 days in Florence, for example. And if he can prove that the center of your life now is in the US, he doesn't have to pay a thing to the Italian authorities. So after 10 years, I think that with 1 million, you can find a nice property in the US, right? Yeah. Okay. So you're saying it would be legal then, like on your ninth year, you know that the party's almost over. Then you start to shift everything or shift enough 
of your life back to the United States, your bank accounts, everything there, close to maybe where your family lives or where you have personal connections, and you can prove that you are not, what did you, what was the term? You can prove that you're a tax resident? Elsewhere. Elsewhere, not a tax resident of Italy, but you're, you're a tax resident of the United States. Then you, could, then you could continue with what you're doing, basically. I will, I will say something that probably will blow your mind in a few seconds. According to Article 2 of, of TWIR, TWIR is our tax code, okay, mm-hmm. in short. They say and they regulate how can someone can be considered a tax resident. They're very clear and they're very, you know, upfront about the words that they're picking. They say someone is considered when he spends for the 103 days in Italy on the calendar year basis, or is registered to the municipality for more than 103 days. So it's a matter of more or less than 103 days. I would like to rewind a little bit. I said, is considered. Why do they say that? Because it's up to you to prove that your situation is different. It's up to you to prove that your case is different. Why do you say that? Because it's provided by the tax treaty. You can, they cannot go louder than that. They have to follow the tax treaty. So it's possible for you, but it's just up to you and the cards that you can play. Okay. So the responsibility is on you to prove it. Always. Got it. Okay. Good to know. Well, now you see what I mean about Paolo Rigo. I am so incredibly grateful to Paolo for taking the time to be with us today and share his knowledge, his incredible, vast knowledge on the topic of setting up business and taxes and just sort of organizing your financial house. It's something that anyone who plans to move or retire or even spend part of their year in Italy It's something that you need to know about, and it's better to know about it before you get too involved, and so you can start sort of being strategic in your planning. And I'll be honest, this is a topic that in the past I sort of saw as a necessary evil. And for the first time in my life, thanks to Paolo, I feel so much different about this. I feel empowered by the information rather than oppressed by it. For me as a designer and a writer and someone who who loves to work with plants and, you know, in the horticulture industry, I'm just so much more comfortable outside and working with things of beauty. And I don't always see tax codes and numbers and ledgers as things that are very interesting. But I have to say when when you know the right way to go and when you have someone that, that you can trust guiding you, it, it sort of just changes everything and you don't have to feel anxiety. Now, I, I of course, like anyone that I interview, I have no deal with Paolo. He graciously chose to come and be our guest. I am not getting any sort of finder's fee for any clients that happen to find him through listening to this podcast. Now, I met Paolo last year, and after talking to him personally about my personal situation, I asked him if he would, in the future, be willing to be on the podcast. I was delighted when he agreed that he would do that. We finally found a time that was convenient for his very busy schedule 
to share his knowledge with us. And so like everything that I share with you on this podcast, or anytime I bring someone on as an expert, I'm bringing them on because I have personally found value in what they have to share. And that's, that's exactly what's happened with Paolo. So anyway, I just want you to know that I personally will be working with him for my business plans and any any sort of plans that I have just to make sure that I don't take a wrong step and find myself in a situation with taxes that could be potentially very unpleasant especially when you're dealing with taxes between two different countries you just don't you don't really want to mess that up you can find all of the links to Paolo's social media website everything so that you can follow him and reach out to him should you need to you can go to imovingtoitaly.com, go to the interview page, and you will see the links for all of Paolo's social media, etc. I highly recommend that you follow Paolo on Instagram at the very least. He has an excellent Instagram page. He's always sharing lots of wisdom, and he's it's a page that he pours a lot of knowledge into, and that is exactly where I found him originally, and I highly suggest following him on his Instagram. So visit my website to find all of those links. All right. Well, that brings us to our segment with Vera today, La Vera Italia. And as usual, Vera is going to be sharing some information with us today regarding life in Italy and especially foreigners moving to Italy that you will not want to miss. So let's jump right into our segment, our wonderful weekly segment, La Vera Italia. Hello, Vera. Welcome back to another edition of La Vera Italia. Ciao, ciao a tutti. So I have a question for you. Qual è la prima cosa che vuoi fare appena tornato in Italia? (laughs) Well, we're just, we're not wasting any time today, are we? You always expect my surprise question, so I really wanted you to surprise you with my surprise question. Oh, you surprised me this time. I didn't see that one coming. Can you can you give it to me one more time? Sure. <laughs> Qual è la prima cosa che vuoi fare appena tornato in Italia? Oh my gosh, I feel like you just asked me six different questions. <laughs> I swear it's just one. Qual è la prima cosa che vuoi fare appena tornato in Italia? Okay. I believe you just asked me, what is the main thing you want to do when you return to Italy or the first thing you want to do? Yes, the first thing. Okay, okay. the first thing you want to do as soon as you're back in Italy? That's a very good question. Non vedo l'ora di fare un passaggiata al castello. Al castello. Mm -hmm. Al castello. Well, would you like to translate what I just said? (laughs) You said, non vedo l'ora. I can't wait. Even though in Italian, we literally say, I don't see the hour, but that's when we say, I can't wait. Di fare una passeggiata, to take a walk uh, al castello, at the castle in Conegliano Veneto, I guess. Esatto, esatto. 
So nice, bellissimo. Yeah, I've, I've kind of missed that ritual of walking up to the castle and definitely looking forward to being back in Italy and definitely looking forward to share those walks up to the castle every morning, every evening. I'm going to try to do two walks a day up to the castle. And I love your answer because you see, at the end of the day, it's the smallest things, right? It's not Italian museums, art or fancy things. It's just a nice walk. Yeah, it is. And it's also, I know when I'm back in Italy, it's going to be kind of Christmas season, which is my favorite time to be in Italy. Everything will be, you know, probably starting to be decorated for Christmas at the end of November. And I'm looking forward to that. But you're right. It's those little things. It's those little things that have made me feel so at home in Italy, the little routines. So that's one of those routines that I'm looking forward to resuming. E noi ti aspettiamo a braccia aperte. Ready for you here. <laughs> Grazie mille. Non veda l'ora. So Vera, as usual, you are coming to us with a very interesting topic. Would you like to share what today's topic is? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me ask you again. Do you need a minute? No, no, I just... So, yeah, for today's episode, I was thinking about how Italians always spot the foreigner in the room. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you have moved to Italy. You're still in the process of finding your final property, but see, you have moved to Italy and still people see you as the foreigner and some people might wonder when will I become a real Italian or things like that. So I'm going to try and give you a few hints on what Italians really think about foreigners and how we can spot them. Mm, very interesting. So once we learn what it is that makes us stand out so much as foreigners, if we don't want to stand out quite so much, maybe we can make some adjustments <laughs> or maybe we'll just at least come to understand why people just automatically start speaking to us in English or whatever they think our foreign tongue is. Well, obviously, I think the same things happen to you when you go abroad. You can spot someone that is from your same country right away right even in a crowd because i don't know it's like the clothes the 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 fashion expressions the way they move i can spot an italian even if i'm i don't know wherever in australia it's just oh that's italian so i think (laughs) it's like the same for everyone right but it's i think it's a good thing first of all that we're all different and every time i hear um a foreigner Uh, one of my students or a tourist here in my little town saying, oh, I can't wait for people to think I'm Italian. I'm like, why? You're not. And that, that's who you are. If you become Italian, then you're not yourself anymore, right? I mean, it's good to blend in, to, to mingle, but not, I don't think changing is so important, but still, anyway... I am Italian, I will always be, and I think you're foreigners to us, and you will always be. But if you really want to fit in and you 
don't want to seem like the totally clueless foreigner, let's put it this way, like a smart foreigner, <laughs> there are a few things you can do. Because you know what they say, right? When in Rome, do like the Romans do, or the next best thing, which is don't do what the Romans would never do. <laughs> exactly. Because that's easier for you, right? You can't act like a Roman, but you can't just avoid being the foreigner. That's it. So I have a few suggestions, a few things. And I'll start with something very easy. I probably already mentioned that, but I hear it all the time, hundreds of times a day. And so I really want you to understand it. Please do not greet people saying, Ciao, come stai? Hi, how are you doing today? We don't do that. It's weird. You make us uncomfortable. You shouldn't ask, how are we doing? <laughs> Have you noticed that? Mm -hmm. Now, let me see if I could think of, like, you're probably going to tell us, but what I'm curious, what is an appropriate way to greet someone and not make them feel awkward? Well, first of all, if you're meeting a friend, come stai is perfect. Mm -hmm. If you, Nathan, don't ask me, Vera, how are you doing? I'm like, okay, he doesn't care, obviously. But I'm talking about uh, restaurants, shops, hotels, asking the concierge, come stai, or even in the formal way, come sta. It's weird because it's something personal. So you would just say, good morning, good evening, hello. And you can say those, right? Mm-hmm. Si, buongiorno, buonasera. Now, is I've heard a different uh, number of different people on this topic. Do people say buon pomeriggio? No, no. We don't say buon pomeriggio as a greeting because pomeriggio, like afternoon, right? It's not actually a part of the day. I don't know. We just don't use it in greetings. We use buongiorno, buonasera and then buonanotte at night. Mm -hmm. But when we say, you know, have a nice day, we can say buona giornata, buona giornata. So that's literally have a nice day. Mm -hmm. But if we are having lunch together and then I leave, I can tell you buon pomeriggio, but it's have a nice afternoon. You see, mm -hmm. it's not a greeting like good morning. It's more oh. have a nice day day but it's the afternoon already so so it's more of a fair so it's more of a farewell actually yes it is oh, okay interesting that's a duolingo you can thank duolingo for that i'm sure all of our listeners that you have used duolingo have got it in their heads all of us have got it in our heads that we say bon pomeriggio in the afternoon we feel so proud of ourselves <laughs> yeah please don't <laughs> got it okay so don't ask strangers, shopkeepers, people that you've never met, people in a formal setting, people in office buildings. Don't walk up to the counter and say, ciao, come stai or come sta. We just say, buongiorno or buonasera at a restaurant. Or if we're leaving someplace, we can say, buona giornata. Yes, buona giornata. Or would you say buona serata? Yes, buona serata. It's, it's already the evening, so you can say buona serata. Have a good evening. Okay. And then you were just saying about also about the afternoon. Buon pomeriggio. 
Bon pomeriggio, as you're saying farewell to someone, if you're having lunch with them or something. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Good to know. So, come stai only for fret. Mm. Then, number two, and this is especially true for foreigners from different continents, so non-Europeans, mm -hmm. uh, do not say, please, do not say you are Italian, half Italian, three quarters Italian, four percent Italians now that the DNA tests are all the rage. <laughs> I love, I'm serious here, I love how you honor your heritage and you're proud of it and the generations and the pride you take in having one ancestor that was Italian or German or Finnish or whatever, but It's just something we don't get. And it can also, you know, come off as kind of rude, like you're, mm. yeah, like messing with us or that you don't really care about Italian culture enough. Because the simple fact that your last name is Russo, for example, doesn't make you Italian. It's just, you know, yeah, that your great grandfather was born in Italy and was an Italian. Great. It's just, if you, I mean, you come here, you don't speak Italian at all. You remember maybe your grandmother saying a few words, but, you know, you've never been to Italy. This is your first time here. And you say, oh, I'm half Italian. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> It's just something we don't like people telling us. What you can do is if you really want to connect to an Italian and since you are so proud of your heritage, what you can do is try something like, uh, you know, my last name is Russo because my grandfather was born in Sicily and I've never been there, but I want to go there. What do you think? Is that a last name you already heard? Just say this. And then Italians will go, out of the way, literally, to help you find all the Russos in Italy and see if you have relatives still alive. It's not that we don't want you to, you know, to have a connection with Italy. It's just that you're not Italians. Mm -hmm. Because your, your culture is just so different. Like we were saying before, you will never be Italian even if you move here. And that's, that's good. I mean, being different, you are from wherever you're from. But this percentage things is something we don't have, so we really don't understand it. You will never hear an Italian say, I'm three quarters, I don't know, from Veneto and one quarter. We don't even do the math with that. It's like, <laughs> you know, we, we say my mother is from and my father is from maybe. But this percentage thing and the generations is just something we, we don't do, not even here in Italy. So we totally don't understand when someone comes up and in another language just says, I'm Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact, I've already broken that rule in Italy, but I think I didn't break it as bad as I could have broken it. I think more than anything, I just, people assume because my last name is Heinrich that I'm either from Austria or Germany or Switzerland And so I've, I've mentioned in the past to Italians, they obviously, they, anyone I'm talking to knows I'm from either California or the United States generally. And 
I simply say to them that my family, you know, is from Sweden, Norway, or from from Switzerland. And so that's the most I've done, but I don't, I haven't gotten so obnoxious where I'm going around telling everybody my percentage, but I was at a party here in California just recently, and we were going around the table and everybody was talking about their percentages. It's a very American thing to want to do. And I think it's because we want to have some sort of an identity. We know where our people came from because we're most of us just know where our people came from. You know, our families have, you know, told us, oh, your grandfather or your great grandfather, your great great grandmother came from wherever. And we sort of hang on to that because that's our little bit of identity other than just being an American. Because being an American, maybe like the same way thing as being an Australian or something something like that just being an american sometimes doesn't feel doesn't feel for us as unique enough maybe well the rest of the world loves the united states we all try to be like you have you noticed that well <laughs> so no, actually being american is quite enough for the rest of the world well it's interesting that you say that too because we could go on that would be an interesting topic for another segment because a lot of Americans believe that people can't stand them. Yeah, we'll need another segment for that because it's a long <laughs> because story. I think, but... I, I, think you're, I think what you're referring to maybe is that everyone is striving to be about like the good things, the progressive things, the, the, the things about the United States that have made the, the United States the country it is, but also they've also brought a lot of things to the world that have improved life for a lot of people around the world, technology and things like that. But I don't, I think that in spite of all those good things that the United States has brought to the world, I believe that there are a lot of things that drive people crazy, annoy the heck out of people. Some of these things that we're bringing up right now, our technology gets a little too out of control, so much so that we start technologizing our ancestry <laughs> down to percentages. <laughs> so as as most Americans, we don't know how to do anything in moderation. We do everything too extreme. And so would you say that that's possibly? Yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be. But back to the uh, old heritage thing. You see what I mean? For you, I totally understand that new continents like America, Australia, whatever you find comfort in knowing where your family is from and that's something you really care about. But we've been here. I mean, we've been in Italy or Europe, the old continent for as many generations as you can count. And having someone that knows absolutely nothing about Italy, about Europe, uh, some people don't even know there's a difference between Italy and France. You know, I'm not talking about you, but in general, it happens. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, but I'm 50% Italian. Mm, no, mm -hmm. it's just just a big no. And it's it's felt sometimes as this disrespectful. Yeah, because that's our culture that, you know, cultural appropriation. Yeah, that's something you like in the US. Like it's a term you're using a lot these days. No, I mean, but you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, now we are talking about Americans, but it's not only you, trust mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. saying I'm Italian when you're clearly not. 
that's cultural appropriation. I mean, it's just, why would you say that? Why, if you say your parents or grandparents, well, maybe your parents, you can still be considered Italian, especially if it's at home, you spoke Italian all the time. So first generation could work. But when you go back to your grandparents or great grandparents, that's just, mm-hmm. you know. Do you think, not to belabor this point too far, but just to one final question on this before we move to the next topic or the next the next point is, is it, is it, you almost, you almost mentioned that it was insulting. Is it insulting to the intelligence of the person you're talking to? Is that really what's, what's happening? Are you insulting? Like you're insulting me by even trying to sell me this line that you are Italian when your family was, hasn't lived here for 200 years. No, no, not of their intelligence. We don't think you're trying to fool us. Is uh, offensive of our history and culture and tradition and who we are. It's mm. like going to a museum and being in front of a, I don't know, Michelangelo's statue or whatever, and say, I did the same in my garden. No, that's Michelangelo. It's not you. You see what mm. I mean? Mm. It's just dismissing everything we are. We are our history, our language, our cuisine. So just saying that, sorry, I don't mean to offend, but that fettuccine Alfredo and our <laughs> dishes in a restaurant here are Italian, both Italian the same way, they're not. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you're not offending me because I think, oh, this person is trying to sell his Italian while he's clearly not. It's just, so you really think you can copy Italy? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's almost the Lagio um, Hotel in Las Vegas. That's not Italy. Oh, please. Don't get me so that's stressed. how we feel when you say I'm 45% Italian. Okay. That's a, I feel like that's a really good analogy. The Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas. That's my least favorite city in the entire world, by <laughs> the way. I would rather be anywhere than Las Vegas. I've spent too much time there for work in the past. I just, if I never see it again, it'll be too soon. But you're right, the the Bellagio Hotel, there are some people that probably, or the Venetian Hotel, even more extreme, where they're literally trying to recreate the canals of Venice in that, or the Paris Hotel. So it's a poor, don't try to sell us on your poor imitation of our culture. We're a proud people. We're very proud. You know, we're not, we don't see ourselves as perfect. But we're proud of who we are and don't try to claim what we are by saying that your great grandfather was that too. And so that somehow gives you an understanding or a, like a right to the culture when in reality, it's great to appreciate the culture, but don't try to claim it as your own if you've never even lived in Italy or visited Italy. You don't speak a word of the language. But please do tell us if your grandparents are from Italy. I mean, we love mm-hmm. that connection. It's not that we're dismissing that. It's just that mm-hmm. that doesn't make you Italian. That's it. Yeah. And it's, I, can, I can understand how difficult that is for you to understand. Because if I moved to the United States and after a few years, maybe 10, 15, I started saying I'm American, you would be like, oh, yes, you are. Go, girl. Now you're American. Finally, you would be happy for me, right? In Italy, this doesn't happen. 
Mm, I mean, even if you lived here for the rest of your life, you got your citizenship, you will always be the foreigner in a good way. But still, the foreigner, you didn't go to elementary school here. You don't know how things work here. So you're not Italian. It seems to me like it comes down, it could be uh, boiled down to one word, and maybe that is the word respect. Just be respectful of the Italian culture. Be respectful of any culture you go to. Don't try to claim it as your own if it isn't your own. And But Italians will be very open. And I think most most people who, whose countries you visit, if you do have some, some heritage from that country, share that, but don't claim it as your own. Yes, that's it. Thank okay. you. Okay. Good guideline. We have to simplify things for ourselves. You know, Americans, <laughs> sometimes we have to simplify things real down, all the way down to, to, to its absolute most fundamental element before we can understand it. So, okay. Yeah. On the same note, sort of, do not talk about Europe. <laughs> Europe is not that big, I know. And when you plan a holiday year, it's obvious Uh, you want to visit more than one country. Uh, you do the main cities. So like you go to Paris, you go to Prague, you know, all this. And Rome and Venice and Naples, of course, Italy too. But here's the thing. Say you love Europe. It's like saying you love music. Okay, you love music. But which one? Do you like punk, rock, classical music? The word Europe is just so general that... It doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? It's just this geographical place. But for our history, we are so, so different. Way more different than you are in the United States or Canada or Australia. Huge countries. I mean, Australia is a continent. But still, the people are one nation, first of all. And then they're very similar to each other while in Europe. We speak different languages. We have different cultures, different traditions, different holidays, different religions. So saying, oh, yeah, I'm doing Europe this summer. It's like, so what, what, that, what does that even mean? Oh, I love European lifestyle. European lifestyle is not a thing. I mean, do you like Southern Europe? I could, I could. Yeah, you could say that maybe because, you know, Italy, Spain, friends, southern friends have a lot in common. But yeah, European lifestyle, what's that? We have a totally different lifestyle from a Finnish or, you know, someone from Sweden or whatever. So we are not all the same and you should respect that. So say something like, Uh, I've been to France, Austria, just remember the nations you went to and say which one you like, didn't like. Just don't talk about Europe as a unity because despite everything you see on the news, we are not one, mm -hmm. one unit. We are so, so different. People are. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong in saying you love other countries, of course. It's not that we want you to love Italy and Italy only. It's just that you just can't put them together and say, Oh, yeah, Europe. Interesting. Okay, so don't be fooled by the euro. The euro might be a common, a common currency, and the European Union might be a, an organization that's a political organization. But mm -hmm. don't try to suggest that the vast number of languages and cultures 
and countries that are made up and then even cultures within countries. So lots of countries like France or Italy, Spain, they have multiple cultures within those countries. So to lump, you know, every, all of the Nordic countries and all of the Southern European countries, all of Europe together as one is just ignorant, number one. And number two, it's not respectful since we're going back to the term respect. And as you were sharing that point, I was thinking, okay, well, that's interesting. I wonder why Americans especially always say, I'm going to Europe. Maybe it's because there's too many countries to list. They don't want to bore people with all the different countries to, to, to list off. Oh, I'm going to 11 different countries in Europe, and they're not going to list every single one of them. But at the same time, even if that is the case, Americans would never say, oh, I'm going to South America. Or if somebody said to us in the United States, for example, let's turn it on its head and let's, let's, let's say if someone from Europe said, oh, yeah, I'm going to North America. Oh, you're going to North America? In, in reality, you're going, to, you're going to Ohio, but you're going to call Ohio in the United States, a visit to North America just doesn't work, does it? You'd be offended. See what I mean? I do see what you mean. That's a very, very good point. And it's, I think it's always important to put yourselves in someone else's shoes and say, well, what would happen if somebody talked about where you were from in such a general term and didn't give it the respect of, of acknowledging at least the name of the country or at least Maybe the city. Even though, don't you see the irony that you say America when you actually mean the United States, but America is the whole continent, North, Completely. Central, and South America? Completely. I mean, I think maybe the one little tiny, tiny maybe excuse that people could use is because the, the technical name is the United States of America, Yeah. but it's of America. It's not United States America. It's the United States within the Americas. And so, okay, good to know. So if you're talking about, if you're talking about Italy, since that's what we're really talking about here, um, specifically, if you're talking about Italy and you're going to be visiting France and Italy, let's say on a trip, say France and Italy. Yeah. That's what you're suggesting, right, Veta? Yeah, that's what I'm suggesting. And even when you talk to us, don't say things like, <clears throat> I love Europe. Just say, I've been to France and Italy and I love both of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just, just start referring to exactly where, where you're talking about. Don't try to lump it in as a huge group, especially you can get away with it saying that to Americans because that's what Americans say to each other. But just be mindful of what you're saying when you're speaking to an Italian and don't mm -hmm. call an Italian a European, whatever you do. And for my next topic, and maybe here's the Italian language teacher talking, but please do not speak Spanish when you're in Italy. I know many of you maybe have studied some Spanish. Spanish is like the second most spoken language in the world. So many of you have studied some Spanish. But, you know, seeing you coming and say, dos, por favor, it's like, yeah, either 
language, whatever that is, or a very good Spanish. Because of course, if you're Spanish or your Spanish is flawless, then it's totally fine because Italian and Spanish are mutually understandable sort of. So it's easier if the person in front of you doesn't speak any English, but just don't assume because Spanish and Italian are different. And I know because I seen people doing that, uh, you know, shop assistants, waiters, or people in, in staff, you know, for public, just pretend they don't understand when someone speaks Spanish to them, if it's not from Spain, from the person is not from Spain. So if you're not a native Spanish speaker, don't speak Spanish to us. And once again, it's offensive. It's not the same language. And it's like... <laughs> So the best thing would be asking, do you speak English or sprechen Sie Deutsch or whatever is your first language? And if that person you're talking to doesn't speak your language and you do not speak Italian, then you can say, maybe I can try with Spanish. And that maybe works. Okay. Mm -hmm. But just don't come and say dos. <laughs> mm -hmm. So just to sum everything up, you Finally, come to Italy. You're at the airport. You call a cab. Please do not say buongiorno come stai to your taxi driver. <laughs> Just say buongiorno. Don't say, oh, I'm 4% Italian. No, say my great-great-grandfather was born in Veneto. Mm -hmm. And don't say, oh, I've been traveling Europe for the past three months and now I'm in Italy because not Europe. Where exactly? And do not say... Por favor. Uh, okay. Do not speak Spanish. Okay. Excellent. Can you speak a little bit, Vera, about, about the process of coming to understand the Italian culture and some things to be aware of and look out for? Well, my suggestion is do not trust everything you see on social media like tiktok instagram they talk about italian culture but how can you possibly fit italian culture or any culture from any other nation in the world into a 30 second video that's just impossible culture is something really complex and deep so you cannot do that and furthermore there are a lot of want to be influencers and they say they're Italian culture expert because they were, I don't know, exchange students here for six months, maybe. And so what happened is that they took a topic, maybe something that was, you know, true and relatable and real about Italian culture. And it became this sort of joke. And I see this in hundreds of different videos and Every influencer wants to give a match to that video or do something special. And at the very end, it's like, what is this even about? And But if you don't know, because of course you're not Italian, you think that's the real deal, but it's not. And it's like, yeah, when all what goes around comes around, you know what happened here? Something totally changed. So for example, I'm just giving you one example that you can all understand, but it's actually something I'm sure you've heard about. No cappuccino after 11 a.m. Once and for all. That is not true. You can have 
cappuccino at 12, at three, at four, even at seven. I mean, it's kind of weird to have coffee that late in the, in the day for many people, because then maybe you don't sleep, but no, the real problem with cappuccino is that it's very rich, full of calories and fats, right? It's like a full meal in a cup, a lot of calories there. So you don't have cappuccino after a big meal. You were at the restaurant, you had your antipasto primo, secondo, and dolce. You're so stuffed. You really don't feel like having a cappuccino. That's why we don't order it. And also the taste is so sweet because of the milk, right? And the texture is so foamy. So you cannot have cappuccino. Italians will never have cappuccino um, eating a sandwich with ham in it because it's sweet and salty together, savory. Mm -hmm. They just don't match to us, to Italians, okay? So that's why we, to simplify things, we say cappuccino is for breakfast. Yeah, because usually at breakfast, you're hungry. We don't have a huge American breakfast, right? So a nice cappuccino with a few cookies or a croissant and pastry, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. But it happened to me a lot of times. I was like in a rush. I didn't have time to have lunch. So I had cappuccino for lunch with a pastry though, not something savory, right? Not French fries or fish, but still. And then in the afternoon, you know, like an afternoon snack, why not? Mm -hmm. But these things that we Italian tell people when they come tourists, you can't order cappuccino after your meal, you only order coffee, became okay only in the morning. And then, oh, you cannot have cappuccino after 11. It's more complex, you see? It's taste of cappuccino, the texture, the calories in it, and milk doesn't set very well if you drink it very late at night. So it's a lot of things in there. But this 11 a.m. rule, it's not a rule. It's something that wannabe influencers said, <clears throat> sorry, online, because it was catching. No cappuccino after 11, but it I know that no cappuccino with food that is not sweet and, you know, spongy or after a meal isn't as catchy, but that's the way it is. So please do order your cappuccino at four o'clock if you feel like it. Mm. Okay, very good. So what you're saying really is stop trying to fit every Italian into some silly little trope or some silly stereotype because... Yeah, the stereotypes might be there for general reasons about Italians or Italian food or Italian way of life or culture or whatever. But don't come to Italy and try to cram Italy into your understanding, your limited understanding of what the country is. I know it's hard. I know I just gave you with this last topic specifically, I gave you a problem, but not a solution because, you know, it's like don't trust everything you hear or mm -hmm. see on mm -hmm. social media. And I know it's hard because you don't know if that person online knows or doesn't know things about Italy. Maybe you can try and figure it out, but just be a little bit more critical when you watch things and like, hmm, could this be true? Well, what are the sources here? Why are they saying that? Because 
sticking to the cappuccino um, example, saying, oh, no, I'm, I'm not ordering cappuccino because it's 11.15 or ordering cappuccino with a big spaghetti dish, it's exactly the same to us. You didn't understand either way. Mm -hmm. So you really need to get into it. If you do love Italy, spend more time learning about us and what we do mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, watch longer movies, read books, even translate it into your native language, of course, and try to really get into it. And of course, listen to the Vera Italia segment. <laughs> <laughs> of course. No, just kidding. But yeah, get to know people and ask them their opinion. It's way better than just trust everything gets to you because mm -hmm. there's a lot going on on the internet right now, especially social media. And since you're listening to this podcast and moving to Italy, all things Italian will come to you, right? But they're not all Italian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be an observer. Come to Italy as an observer. Don't come to Italy with everything figured out. And maybe... Try to experience Italy through your eyes and your ears and your taste rather than with your mouth, because like, keep your mouth closed, your ears and your eyes open. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's the whole point. If you don't want to look like the clueless foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> and really specifically to on your point about cappuccinos, I can tell you being married to a native Italian, I can tell you that Alessandro will have a cappuccino. He, he will have a, an espresso right before bed, just because he, I think that, I think, I seriously think that espresso runs through his veins <laughs> in almost equal levels to the blood that's, that's running through his veins. But he will order, especially during the winter months, I've noticed, he will order an espresso and a cappuccino in the evening after dinner. If it's like, if we've had dinner very late and, you know, he wants to sort of have something like after dinner, like maybe he didn't, we didn't have dessert and he just wants a little something, you know, maybe an hour or two after dinner, he'll have a cappuccino, but he will never have it right after a heavy meal. So you're absolutely right. I think the key then is, have it whenever you want, but maybe it's not best for your digestion to consume something so rich after a huge meal. Yeah, that's it. You see, it's very simple. It actually is quite simple. And if caffeine doesn't keep you awake, then you can have it at 11, 11.30 and then going to bed. No problem. Right. Well, some people literally have, you know, warm milk before bed. So, Maybe it's a way to sort of get a tiny little bit of coffee with some of your milk. Yeah. <laughs> well, as usual, Vera, you have taken the mystery out of things, all things Italian, and you have guided us, hopefully, to avoid some of the mistakes that foreigners are kind of, especially Americans, but maybe all foreigners tend to make when they visit Italy. So come to, come to Italy with a, I think the same thing with when you visit anywhere, come to Italy with a, a respectful sort of approach and be an observer, 
be aware, acknowledge the fact that you're not an expert about the country. I can tell you for, from someone who has lived in Italy for two years, I don't consider myself anywhere near an expert. Beginning to understand things better, but I don't consider myself an expert on Italy yet. I'm still learning. I'm still learning from every time I talk to you, Veda, I learn more. So thank you so much for your expertise and for sharing with us about Italy and all things Italian from the perspective of a real Italian. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me here and I'll see you next week. Grazie mille. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Thank you so much, Vera. We really, really appreciate you and look forward to hearing your insights into life in Italy from the perspective of a real Italian every week. All right, well, that brings us to our surrounding sounds for this week's episode. So just like any couple, I tend to have the occasional argument with my significant other. And it's normal, it happens. I used to freak out when it happened. Now I don't freak out. Sometimes I just need to get out of the house and go for a walk. And so after a heated discussion not long ago with Alessandro, I decided it was time for me to get in the car and go for a drive and find somewhere to take a walk. And so that is exactly what I did in the surrounding sound for today's episode. By the way, we resolved everything and everything was great. And by the time I got back from my walk, I was already missing Alessandro and feeling a bit lonely. So everything was fine, not to be alarmed, but I just wanted to sort of share with you the fact that it happens to all of us. It happens to us. Uh, The last thing in the world I would ever want to do is sort of paint this picture of perfection because first of all, it's not even believable. And, And secondly, It's just not realistic. (laughs) It's simply not my reality. So anyway, here's what happened. So I hopped in the car feeling a little bit hot under the collar and a little bit irritated and frustrated and decided I'm going for a walk alone. And so that's what I did. I went out for a walk and I found this this area that I'd been wanting to walk, there was an old abandoned road, actually, that had been sort of a mountain road that was no longer used, but it was a paved road. And it sort of went down through this canyon in the Prosecco Valley, in the Prosecco Hills specifically, near Valdo Biamene. And so I just parked the car next to this little bar. And then I walked down this road and I walked through just a beautiful stretch of nature. And there was not a single person walking with me. It was starting to be evening and the birds were chirping and the animals were rustling as I was walking. And there were deers that were jumping across the path in front of me or across the road, I should say. And it was just a a lovely walk. It was a lot of downhill. And then when I walked back, I was walking uphill. So if you hear me huffing and puffing a little bit, probably because I'm walking uphill. Anyway, I got to see some of the Prosecco grapes and take some photos and just capture these sounds for you. And then I did something that I never, ever do. After my walk, and I had been walking for, you know, a couple hours, I was pretty tired and a little thirsty. And so I decided, okay, I'm parked right right next to this this little bar or osteria. I'm going to go in and order an aperitivo. It wasn't dinner time yet, but it was still evening and 
I needed a little refreshment, so I went and I ordered a Prosecco. And of course, when you order a Prosecco for for like a aperitivo hour, you also get a little bowl of some chips or crisps or crackers or something brought to you, some nuts brought to your table as well. So that's what happened. So I just sat there all by myself. I had cooled off from my walk and I was like, uh, I wonder what Alessandro and I are gonna have for dinner. So this is the sound of me going for that walk in nature in the Prosecco Hills and coming back and having an aperitivo by myself, which I proudly can say I ordered all by myself and it was good. I think it's good for us to spend time by ourselves. It's healthy. It makes us appreciate those people in our lives just all that much more because no matter who we get frustrated with in our life, you know, trying to imagine our life without them is, is infinitely worse. So anyway, I went back home after this, I will tell you, and I apologized for what I had done and what some of the things that I had said and getting frustrated and raising my voice a little bit. <laughs> so anyway, everything worked out in the end and we, we were both happy and we went out and had a nice dinner afterwards. So anyway, uh, that is our surrounding sound. So enjoy that surrounding sound and I will be back afterwards to say goodbye. Ciao, un prosecco per favore. Grazie. No, 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 grazie.
I hope you enjoyed those sounds from this week's episode. Thank you so much for coming back and sharing this time with me today. Thank you to Paolo for your incredible insights on Italian tax laws and how to structure your life and business and, and property in Italy. That's We are enormously grateful for your expertise and your help on that topic. Thank you to Vera for her wonderful segment and her insights into what to maybe not do as a foreigner when you arrive in Italy. And thank you to you. When you leave those five-star reviews, it just warms my heart and it helps our podcast so much. It takes just a few seconds to go to Spotify or Apple and leave a five-star review for the podcast. Thank you also to our sponsors for today's episode, ExpressVPN and Babbel Language. You can find the links to both of our wonderful sponsors on my website. Thank you so much for coming back and sharing another week with me. Thank you for being here. I I know these episodes recently have been very long, but hopefully you're finding the value in them. And thank you so much for reaching out and sharing your feedback. I've been hearing from a lot of you recently, and it just really, really helps me to know that you are enjoying, you are receiving value, and this podcast is helpful for you as you plan your own move to Italy. Wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice today, I hope you are healthy and well, and I look forward to being back here with you next week for another episode. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.